0: Hello! Before we hop into our story, I want to start off with letting all of you know that this video is sponsored by Book Publishing Industry Entertainment in North Texas. Feel free to check it out. There will be a link in the description for further information. hello everyone welcome back to the unexplained mysterious talk show with your host carissa on this episode i'm going to be going over crime stories and getting your opinions on them so today we are going to talk about a very famous crime that happened to say um so yeah so stay tuned to hear all the mysterious details to this crime Moving on, going into this story, um, authorities once again are asking that question um, through this investigation, and there's actually five things to know about their work. So number one, the scene suggests more than one killer. So during this whole murder on April 12, 1981, a 14-year-old Uh, Sheila Sharp was returning from a sleepover when she discovered three dead bodies in her family's cabin at the Keddy Resort. Her 36-year-old single mother, Sue, her brother Johnny, 15, and Johnny's friend, Dana, I think Dana Wingate, um, he was 17. All had been bounded and suffered extreme violence. So this girl... 14 years old was coming home from a sleepover and she was going into her cabin and she sees her family members and her family's and her brother's friend dead. So like, how do you think she's feeling in this moment? Like me personally, if I was, I, I probably would have a panic attack, probably cry a lot. Um, I probably couldn't live with myself, probably wonder, why? Who would do this? Um. Obviously, I would call nine one one immediately. But, anyways, Sheila's a twelve year old sister. Tina was missing. The girl's uh skull was found in the woods three years later, uh, around I think fifty miles away in another country, or not another country, another county. Sorry, my bad. I can't read. So, adding to the mystery, Sheila's younger brothers, Greg and Rick, were ages 5 and 10. So, they weren't even teenagers yet. They were just, like, little kids. Um, And they were asleep, unharmed, and um, they were in their bedroom of the cabin, along with their friend, Justin Smart. So, according to the crime scene report, the boys' bodies on the living room floor were blooded, were, like, very bloody Around, um, I believe, their heads and necks. Johnny was faced up with his hands, feet bounded by electrical cord. That also was ra- around Dana's feet. And Sue was also covered by a yellow blanket. Her hands and feet were bound by electrical wiring. So, obviously, it seems like they were mostly tortured, I believe, around the head area and neck area. As if, I believe, if just from this information I'm gathering they were probably strangled or just brutally I, just I don't know how to say this but just brutally they were tortured around the neck area so my suggestion is that they were probably strangled um and then the electrical cord was holding them down or they were probably electrocuted also because if they have electrical cord around their feet i believe that the killer probably put water on it and electrocuted them honestly could have so the three were killed using knives and hammers okay so i believe they were stabbed and then whatever was left done um it was by a bent steak knife lit um it was found and discovered on the floor and a butcher knife and a claw hammer. Both also very bloody um, in the crime scene and were side by side on a small wooden table near the entry into the kitchen. So, just based on this information, who do you think, like, do you think it was a relative, maybe someone close, just a random person? Because it seems like they were very precise on how they killed him, and it seems like they planned it. So we'll just have to see. Okay, um continuing on with our creepy story. <laughs> the Katie murder. Okay, so continuing on. Among those um questioning, a lot of people actually believed it was Sue's neighbor named Marty Smart, who lived, uh, I believe, two cabins away with his wife, um and Justin Smart's mother. So this, these were the parents, I believe, of the kid who died in the house. The friend, I could be wrong, but I think I think I'm correct. No, I'm actually incorrect. Sorry, because the kid in the house was negate or something like that. And these are Smarts family. Anyways, so. They suspect it was the neighbors, um, and it emerged that Marty was actually angry about Sue's interference with his troubled marriage, so obviously it seemed like they he was having an affair or doing something he wasn't supposed to be doing with someone else and not his wife. Usually this is where all crimes lead to <laughs> people suspecting it's people who have anger issues and are having affairs and- not being honest. Anyways So Marty was actually very angry with Sue's interference of his troubled marriage because apparently I think he did something or the wife did something. But obviously Sue interfered and it made Marty very upset. And authorities also interviewed Marty's ex um um friend uh ex con friend named Bo, that was his nickname, who had actually moved in with Marty. And during this investigation, Sheriff's Investigator Mike Gamberg was made aware of a letter written by Marty to Marilyn. I believe that is his wife after the crime. Um, And this is what the note said. I've paid the price of your love, And now that I've bought it, With four people's lives, you tell me we are through, Marty wrote. Great, what else do you want? So, obviously, me reading this story, and based on the information I'm given, it seems like he did it. Because, obviously, when the police investigated him, and they find this note that Marty delivered to his, I believe, wife or ex-wife, after the crime, they discovered this letter. And obviously it said, I paid the price of your love, and now that I've bought it with four people's lives. Obviously it seems like he killed four people. So, obviously this is probably putting the police on to suspect that it was him. But Marlon, uh, Marilyn, who actually later, later remarried, tells people in this week's issue... Still to this day, I believe that she doesn't recall receiving the letter. She says she uh, learned of it long afterward by the investigators. So I believe the investigators told her about the letter, but she, because they probably investigated her. Um, And she's probably like, oh, what? I didn't receive a letter. I don't know what this is talking about. Um, She actually says she didn't recognize her ex husband's handwriting. Oh no, sorry, she recognized her ex husband's ring. And so I think it wasn't, I don't think Marty wrote the letter, um, but I think it was forged or something. So Thomas, the retired sheriff, also says he heard about the letter only in recent months. So obviously, the letter was to blame someone. Obviously. Um, obviously, it's probably trying to blame Marty and stuff. Because he was having trouble with his marriage. And it was probably an easy target to choose him. So, but it seems pretty factual that he didn't do it. Um, uh, Gamberg, the police officer, the sheriff, actually further tracked down a therapist in Reno, Nevada. To whom Marty allegedly confessed after the killings and who told Gambrick he was shocked to learn that investigators at that time didn't use that confession to solve the crimes. So obviously this was back in the day um, when um, people didn't use confessions, I believe, as their proof of someone's murder. Which is kind of stupid, to be honest. So, what's your guys' opinion? Because, honestly, if you had someone's confession, would you use it or no? Because I think it really just depends. Um, so, yeah, they didn't use the confession to solve the crime. So, obviously, it probably could have helped close the case sooner, but... So, there was actually some theories that Marty's friend was involved, and there were some theories that other people in Ketty were involved. So the neighborhood um, Thomas actually says that Marty and his friend Bo, uh, the only thing I um he actually quoted this, the only thing I knew is that hung they hung out together and we questioned them extensively. So obviously, there was something very fishy about them. They were very skeptical. Um, where they ha- had to have their friends like question them, honestly. So, but honestly, it seems like a lot of people are questioning them mostly um, and obviously are watching them very extensively. So, with nothing in those first weeks um, during this investigation tied them to the crime. Thomas actually says that neither were charged, and both left the area, so obviously they got away. Um, and Bo actually died in 1988, so obviously this crime was in the 1900s, so it didn't seem like they had a lot of resources, like, as I said, the confession. Anyways, and Marty actually died in 2006. Hey, that's a year after my birthday. Anyways, (laughs) um, so... It seemed that they died very far apart, so that's that's kind of it's kind of strange. Um, yet, the current sheriff, Greg Hagwood, believed that the evidence leans towards those two as the culprits. So obviously, the police and the sheriff and the police department obviously thought it was them too, and they seemed very <laughs> mysterious I would say in a way where they put their evidence towards them. So. And they actually quoted if a case needs to be pinned there, Hagrid tells people we'll pin it. So obviously they're trying to solve this case and they will find who did this. Um. So Thomas isn't so sure. It's very easy to say somebody's guilty when they're dead. Um. But. They can't really defend themselves because, as I said, they're dead. And I don't think either one of them were involved. So this Thomas guy doesn't believe that um, Bo and I believe was it Marty. They weren't. He wasn't involved because I mean they're already dead. So what's like the point? I mean you can't really do anything with dead people. Like, but um. Moving on, investigators actually had a personal stake in this case. Um, Keddie and Quincy are seven miles apart. So it's like a large community of Quincy, which is a population of, I believe, 2,000 people. Um, And Sheriff Hagwood was actually a schoolmate of the victims, Johnny and Dana, in the summer before the murders. They all actually worked together as teenagers on a painting crew. And Hagwood's mother was a teacher who had um, Tina in class. So, Hagwood also had a childhood friend who lived in Keddie's cabin 28 long before the Sharps moved in there. Um, He actually quoted that he stayed in the cabin probably a dozen times, he said. So, moving on, um, it seemed like Hagwood was very close with them. Seemed like he had a childhood with them. Um, And actually, Gamberg knew the boys as well. Um, He was actually a martial arts instructor at the time, and he actually taught both Johnny and Dana, um, and says Dana was at his home the day before he actually died, so it kind of struck the community harder than anything, because they were actually really close with this family, and obviously the kids, so I, I, I believe that the police officers were actually very, very close with the kids, and had a very close relationship during this case um but putting more information on the sheriff hogwood he actually became a sheriff in 2010 and in june 2013 um and he brought gamberg back from the retirement um to organize boxes of kenny reports and evidence with an eye towards um reviving the case um and marty smart's letter was early rediscovery or rediscovered, um, just as important. Gamberg and Hagwood wondered if they've also recovered another of the murder weapons, but they weren't quite sure, so. Um, a lot of reports came in, and they were all, as of the report's renewed investigation, um, it went public, and Gamberg actually learned of a man who you uh, using a metal detector had actually found a hammer in a pond near the Keddy's property so obviously they found another weapon that was hidden um and the steel it was actually a steel blue hand uh handled claw hammer um and it's now recovered exactly matched to the description of a hammer that marty told investigators he lost it is now being tested for um dna and blood residue um, Gamberg, the sheriff, also found in the investigation files as an apparently unopened envelope with the recording of 911 call when Tina remains were found in nineteen eighty-four on the third anniversary of the murders. Her skull was actually unidentified, but the anonymous nine one one caller said it was Tina's before the medical examiner confirmed it through um dental records. So obviously this person knew it was the girl, but sent an anonymous letter saying it was her, um, and they actually had quoted, it's my feelings that either he, the caller, was told or he was involved in some way, gambrick says, because, like, that just seems a little weird getting an anonymous letter and them telling you, hey, this is Tina three years later, and it's like, we've been trying to solve this case, and We haven't found and we can't identify who the skull is, but you know who it is. So they're obviously suspecting that they're the murderer because they knew who the skull was. But when they got it, they were unable to identify. Anyways, tell me what your guys' opinions on this is because who do you think it is? Like, based on the information we've been given so far, do you believe it was like a neighbor um i'm not sure it seems like a very anonymous person that was probably really close with them so um moving on investigators actually people can confirm the killer's um identities um a viral threat actually continued going on um Gamberg says um who knew about tina's remains placed in an isolated wooded area um in i believe Butte C- county um it was around that area um, by Keddy, uh, so and who may have helped to put them there. So, obviously, there it seems like there was more than one person helping with this murder. So, they actually quoted, There are people locally who know more than they've said. How Gord, um tells people, and I believe we've identified some of them and we know who they are. And, we know where they are, and I have every confidence that they either participated after the fact or they have first-handed or first-hand information. So it's obviously a worthwhile pursuit, he says, and there's not an expiration date on homicides to the extent that we um, have surviving siblings and family members, and it's our fundamental obligation to them to understand who did this and why. So... How close do you guys think they are to solving this case? Because, I mean, based on the information, they don't have that much evidence. Besides a hammer and a skull, I believe. So, how close do you think they are to solving this case? Um, actually concluding this story, um, I was just reading through and it seems like Th- this case was never really solved um based on the information that I was given. There is a lot of perspective, though, in this story because you really have to think about the whole story and, like, just the whole perspective of, like, who you think it is, all the evidence you were given, and, like, the letter and the anonymous um note of saying that the skull was Tina's. So it's a it's a lot of information to kind of clear and actually get a final answer. So obviously it seems like it was unsolved. Um but I'm not quite sure. I might have to do more research on that. But yeah, um if you guys want me to do um another podcast on um uh, the same story, but maybe go into more depth and actually see if there's actually a concluded conclusion to the story and actually see if this murder or this homicide was actually solved, then just comment down below into the um, box below into the comments and just let me know and I'll probably make another podcast on the story if um, there's actually more. If not, it seems like this, the story is very unsolved. And it seems like that every all the sheriffs and stuff in this small community were really tied in and stuff. So, um, obviously, if you guys want me to finish the story, just let me know in the comments. Thank you for listening. Um, and subscribe if you want to hear more unexplained and mysterious crime stories. And check out my other episodes coming out. Um, so, yeah. Thank you, guys. Have an amazing day.